Hello, my Napa Valley loving peeps. Summer is here in wine country, and it is just gorgeous. I say that all the time, but it's never not gorgeous in Napa Valley. But in honor of summer and in honor of our wine club director emeritus and barbecue champ Pat Burke, during the month of July, we'll be donating 10% of sales of our Burke's Blazon Barbecue Old Vine Zinfandel to his wife's American Cancer Society Relay for Life effort. So come on in, visit us in person on the Silverado Trail, give us a call at 707-255-2332, or pick up some Zin online at www.judshill.com. Drink well and do good. Zinfandel, perfect grilling wine. Hey, speaking of our wine club, you should be a member if you're not already. You get in on so much fun. Coming up this summer... We've got our Lobster Luau Wine Fest, our biggest party of the summer. It's a seafood bonanza featuring Maine lobster, mounds of crustaceans, uh, flowing wine, and the old-time Hawaiian tunes of my band, the Maikai Gents. That's going to be August 3rd at the winery. Another wine club exclusive dinner is coming up August 14th, and that's going to be at the Magic Castle in Hollywood. you got to be in on this. So join the wine club online or give us a ring at the winery and just don't miss out on all the good times we provide. Now, getting to our guest. Chef Greg Cole is the proprietor of two of downtown Napa's hotspots, Celadon and Cole's Chop House. Uh, he's also the guy who had my radio time slot before me and was gracious enough to recommend me to the station when he was ready to retire from broadcasting. He's a cool guy who's really seen the Napa Valley dining scene change and has been a big part of its growth. Enjoy the show. Get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa. Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. And now, live from the 1440 KVON studio in the beautiful Napa Valley, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host, Chad Fingleside. Hey, good morning, Lauren. Top How of the day, Judd. Top of the day to you. How's things? They're going good. Yeah, you have a good weekend? I did. Good. I was glad to be able to kick it off with you on Friday night. We had our um, Judd's Hill winemaker luau at Trader Vic's in Emeryville. That's and right. who was there but our in-studio announcer, Mr. Lauren Mole. And, man, you, you really know how to, how to have a party, don't you? That's right. Man, the first guy out on the dance floor. That's right. With, should I say who you were dancing with? Well, amongst many, but uh, I think the first one you were out with was uh, Kelly Fuller, who uh, used to be the morning personality right here at KVYN. Exactly. Yeah, well, you guys, you guys are good dancers, and I appreciate you getting the party started. And I appreciate the fact that you gave our band, you know, we have the Hawaiian, old-time Hawaiian music band, the Maikai Gents, we were playing. And you gave us that fantastic intro. Thanks. Yeah, came up with it myself. Well, yeah, without even a script. No, no, you mean without a handwritten script. Well, that is your thing. Every well, every week you come in here and hand hand. I can't speak. And hand, it's handwritten. That's right. <laughs> your your script. You make sure that you have it ready to go. Uh, but this was off the cuff. It was perfect. Okay. And 
it was recorded. Shall we listen to it? Uh, sure. Okay. Here, this is Lauren Mole Friday night at uh, Trader Vic's, the Judd's Hill Winemaker Luau. Let's give a listen. So, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Lauren Mole. <laughs> Now, live from Trader Vic's Restaurant and Bar in the city that's, well, closest by the bay, Emeryville, California, it's the My Kai Jets. And I'm Lauren Mull with your friend and my friend, Chad Finkelstein. That was fantastic, Lauren. And then the band kicked right in. It was the perfect introduction. And I like how you say uh, the city well closest by the bay. Because, I mean, literally, that Trader Vic's, we were on the water. It was, right. it was beautiful watching the sunset. The boats are right there. Drinking Mai Tais. Did you have a Mai Tai? Did no. I see it was some- you had a little something, didn't you? I had a Corona. Oh, okay. Good for you. Cutting loose a little bit. Uh, but thanks for coming out. Much appreciated. My and pleasure. being a big part of the party. Always a pleasure to have you as part of the action. Uh, shall we enter the show now? Absolutely. You'll get no slops and certainly no flops. Because he's the tops in steaks and chops. With him around downtown pops, Chef Greg Cole. Hey, welcome, <laughs> Chef. Wow, Lauren, that is fantastic. He's a pro. He is a pro. You know, I um, I did this show sitting where you're sitting for four years, yeah. five years. I don't know how long. And I might have stayed had I had Lauren Mole as my right-hand man. I tell you, incredible job, Lauren. Thank you. Well, you can't have the show back. Sorry. Okay. Well, <laughs> I know you've, take, you've taken it to a new level. There's no doubt about it. No, it I certainly great. appreciate it. Yeah, for about five or so years, you were the host of this time slot I, here on KBN. I was. I was sitting where you're sitting. And uh, were very gracious to have me as a guest a couple times, and yeah. then have me guest host a couple times. And then when you felt it was time to, I guess, focus on other things in life, focus on TV and movies. <laughs> That's right. Your agent <laughs> called and said, "Hollywood." I'm waiting for yeah. the Bachelorette to call, and they haven't called yet. But um, as are you, as are a, you going on? Are you going to be the next <laughs> Bachelorette, Craig Cole? I, I think what they need is a. <laughs> Slightly pudgy, fifty-one-year-old married man as uh, the next bachelorette. As, well, no, not as a bachelorette. As one oh, of the okay. contestants, I was watching it. You know, oh. one of my little uh, secret hidden uh, embarrassments is I'm, you know, a fan of that show, and I was watching it last night, and all the beefcake kind of guys with the big biceps and the six-pack abs, and I thought. You know, I, I just wouldn't fit in there very well. What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be the bachelor of material, but anyway, so. Well, I think I think more than anything, it's it's the married part probably is going against you. Married is a problem, probably. Yeah, yeah that would be a, that would be a problem on many levels. You know, years ago, um, when The Bachelor first started that show, my wife was so into it. I mean, it was like religious for her. We sit down, watch. Once in a while, I'd sit down and watch with her, but I like to do just about. Everything I like, you know, doing things as a couple. That was a tough one for me to sit through. (laughs) But she started saying, you know, once they had, um, what's his name? Uh, Firestone, you know, from the wine family, Firestone. And uh, she was saying, 
you should go on this show. <laughs> Wait a minute. Aren't I married to you? Isn't yeah. that, aren't I not a bachelor? She's like, yeah, but think of the, the publicity. She's thinking about the oh, PR. Yeah, you know, the, for, the for the huge for PR for them. <laughs> and then when it came out that you actually were married, then perhaps you were looking for multiple wives. That would be sort of a problem. <laughs> yeah. It might it might not have been a good marketing move. So. No, not at all. Yeah. And definitely not my style. One one is plenty. I'm very happy with, <laughs> yeah. with the one. I think one wife is, is, is plenty. You're right. I won't say more than enough. I'll say it's just right. Absolutely. Yeah. Goldilocks. Just this one is just right. Yeah. Greg, let's talk about making food and cooking in Napa Valley and you and it's been a long time. You've <laughs> It has you, been you, a long you, time. You've become like this the king of downtown Napa in your time. I'm, here. I'm like the old man of downtown Napa now, which is funny. But you're not old. You just said you're well, 51. 51, I, yeah. But it's you've been true. around for You know, I moved to Napa in 1985. I was working at Harrow's in Lake Tahoe. Um, I had graduated from the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York, in 1983. So that's where you started at. That's where you. Yeah, well, I mean, my first, my after culinary school, you know, I was cooking at the Hungry Hunter, Thousand Oaks. Really? Yep. For well, through high school, great place. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was a fun place to work and grow up in the restaurant business, and you know, it, it's where I got my sort of um, taste for the business. You mm-hmm. know, there's. There's something about the restaurant business and and the kitchen and the dining room and the the camaraderie and you know on you have good nights and you have bad nights and some nights you just get slaughtered and some you know it's just always every day is a new day and it's interesting and uh, so at the Hungry Hunter Thousand Oaks is where I sort of um, you know got my love for the restaurant business and and you know for cooking and then I went to when I went to culinary school obviously it opened up a whole new but at the Hungry world. Hunter were you cooking up. Steaks. Steaks. <laughs> Steaks. I started out as a prep cook, um, then became a saute cook, and then I became the the, the line the lead line cook where I um where I cooked the steaks for hundreds of people. And you know, here yeah. I am, a seventeen year old pimply high school kid, <laughs> um, you know, cooking a lot of steaks. But you know, it was funny, really well compensated. I mean, I was making a lot of money. Um, we got a, a good base wage salary, you know, for the time. Of course, this is 1979, 1980. Okay. Um, I don't know remember what I was making an hour, but we also got tipped by the waiters, which is unusual. You know, oh, most yeah. most restaurants, the kitchen doesn't really get tipped unless sometimes if it's a group event and there's a the kitchen gets a percentage of mm. the food sales or whatever that happens. But um, it was kind of a funny thing because when I left the Hungry Hunter Thousand Oaks and went to the Culinary Institute of America. When I graduated after two years of school and what got a job at Harrah's in Lake Tahoe, uh-huh. I was making less money starting at Harrah's than I did when I left the Hungry Hunter. As I, a graduate. As a graduate of the CIA. School. I thought there's something wrong with this, you know, that's just, you know, but I was, I was very well compensated at the Hungry Hunter at Thousand Oaks. And, you know, that, that experience, um, you know, obviously cooking steaks, it's a, uh, it's not hard. It's just it's something, you know, when you're doing high volume, you know, not everybody could do it. I mean, you could be a great cook. You know, it's funny in cooking. I think the two hardest things maybe are high volume steak cooking and egg cookery. I mean, so- cooking eggs, you know, are another really? thing. That's, it, not everybody could do it. You could be a great chef. You could be, you know, a master pastry chef. But cooking steaks and cooking eggs are, are difficult little things that it just takes a sort of knack to do it. But the nice thing, one of the one of the things about the Hungry Hunter is when I went to work at Harris in Lake Tahoe. Harris had you know has a whole bunch of restaurants. I worked in the mm-hmm. f- fabulous Forest Buffet up on the 18th floor. <laughs> I worked in the Summit Wait, Dining Room. Was it called the fabulous? No, it was Forest called the Forest. Buffet. It was called oh, the just, Forest okay. Buffet. And like where are you going? Th- we were you know the, in the kitchens at Harris. There was a, a big brigade or a big crew of, of cooks and chefs and. 
we would be assigned to different restaurants, and you wouldn't always be go to the same place. You'd come and check your schedule. Where do they Where do they need me today? Kind of thing. I usually went to the forest, and we used to jokingly call it the fabulous forest buffet high atop Harris Lake Tahoe. Lauren can do that better than I than I can. Would you like to give it a shot, Lauren? The fabulous forest buffet high atop Harris Lake Tahoe. The fabulous forest buffet high above Harris Lake Tahoe. Yeah, see that sounds yeah, doesn't sound good. I sold it. I think. Yeah. I wait. What year, remind me? What year this? I is was now? there in 1983 through 1985. I've. I wonder. I may have. <laughs> I, I may mean, have sampled your cuisine. My yeah. folks <laughs> took me to uh, Harrah's to see. It was a great double bill. It was Bill Cosby and Sammy Davis Jr. at yeah. the South Lake Room. Right. South, South Shore. South Shore Room. room. Yeah. Excuse me. South Shore Room. Yeah. And um, we may have actually sampled Died. the buffet before that. I'm, it's I'm trying so to think. funny it because been right about that time. Yeah, because my wife. Um, who was living in Napa at the time, we used to go up to, you know, Tahoe with friends and, you know, boyfriends and things. And, and she's, we, we talk about it. I probably, I could have sliced or carved roast beef or ham for her at, <laughs> because I would also work, you know, I would, I would do, you do lots of things, but one of the things I would do is work the carving station where you stand there with your steamship round or mm-hmm. on Saturday nights, we had prime rib. And you know, slice um, roast beef and baked ham for people. So it isn't it's kind of funny to think. I mean, I I, sar- I carved roast beef for thousands and thousands of people, but it's I might have done it for you. I might have uh, <laughs> possibly for my wife to be. You know, who knows? But I love that thought that that without even knowing it, you had you carved her some food and years later when you actually met her again there was something in her mind that yeah. reminded her and he's nothing fam- says he's familiar yeah nothing says i love you like carved ham <laughs> carved ham that's right yeah. thinly sliced ham fat free but the, um, that's a cool thing about my experience at the hungry hundred thousand oaks when i went to harrow's is that the south showroom um south showroom was a very interesting kitchen and it was this incredibly high volume kitchen that was only high volume for two hours a day um there, the the South Showroom sat 950 people, and the doors opened room. for the dinner show at 5:30, and the lights went out at seven or something. I don't know the exact time, but when the guests went into the dining room, into the showroom, um, the waiters would take their orders. And you know, this was it was built before computer POS systems, so right. the waiters would put the orders in, and it was a limited menu, but there was you know lots of things to cook still into these little tubes like you have at the bank drive-through. Oh, really? And they'd come pneumatically into the kitchen and to where, where a sous chef was standing there expediting and calling out the steaks and the prime rib and the veal and the wow. fish. I'd love and to see that. Operation. It was really neat. I'm sure that's been replaced, but when I was there, that's how it worked. <laughs> and um, so I'd be working wherever I was working, you know, for my first two or three hours, and then they'd send me down to the showroom to cook steaks for two hours. And it was the most intense uh, steak cookery I've ever... I mean, you would have... I had two grills as big as the grill we have at Kohl's where I would have the whole both sides filled with steaks. I'd be cooking 400 steaks, you know, at about the same time because the orders would come in. They couldn't dim the house lights until the last entrees were served. I mean, they people could be eating when the show started, but right. the waiters had to have the food down before the before the lights went down. Oh, so and you so you had a crunch. real time frame. Wow. But it was really cool because... Um, the stars, you know, the, who were performing, it would always come through the kitchen on the way to the showroom. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of times you were too busy to really even notice. But I saw, like, Sammy. Mm-hmm. 
Bill Cosby. One day I'm cooking. I'm, I'm, I've got my complete focus on my grills. I've got 300 steaks on the grill. I was about to ask yeah. you, how many steaks is that? <laughs> well, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, maybe up to 300 at once. It's checking the temperature. Well, yeah, it's it's a whole different. I mean, I I couldn't do it today. I, I it was physically really demanding. I was I was 20. You know, wow. I was able to do it. Yeah. And um, All right, who'd you see? Well, so I, I'm I, I'm completely focused, and in this in that kitchen, there was no conversation, there was no talking because once it started, it was out of control, you know. And everybody was there was three cooks, there was two identical lines. There was the north line and the south line. Each line had a grill cook, a prime rib guy, and a saute guy, and so and then a sous chef on the other side calling the calling the food. Uh-huh. So each side would do 450 meals, uh-huh. and uh, and it was really interesting. Um, well, so I'm focused. I'm looking at. I've got my steaks on the grill, and my lamb chops, my New Yorks, my fillets, my top sirloins, rare, medium rare, medium. You know, all these different temperatures. You know, it was it was crazy. I hear this voice going, "Hey, how's it going?" And I'm like, "Who? I mean, no one talks in this kitchen. Who's talking in this kitchen?" And I and I'm looking. I'm distracted, but I'm still looking at my steaks. And I'm like, you, you with the steaks. How's it going? And I, I look back, and Billy Crystal is like peeking at me through the line <laughs> where the plates go. There's these special <laughs> shelves. And he's like waving to me. I said, "Oh, fine." You know. But it was um, it was a great place to work. It really was. It was a really interesting experience. Um, my second day at work, I'm standing at the elevator waiting to go up to the summit up on the 18th floor, and there's four service elevators in the back. Mm-hmm. And again, um, the stars would travel that way because, you know, the, if the, the employees didn't ask them for autographs, really. It was the people on the casino floor. Right. And I'm standing there, and there's four elevators, and watching which one will come down first. And, you know, you move from one bank of elevators to the other, trying to figure out which will be the first one, to, the door to open. And I'm standing there, and I have my knife roll in my hand, and I have my chef clothes on, and the door opens up, and Tom Jones is standing there. Oh, boy. And I'm just like, this is so cool. It's my second day at work. You know, it's like, this is so cool. Kind of surreal. It was, it was really. Billy Crystal, Tom Jones, everyone's popping in on you. Don Rickles. Rickles. Sammy Davis Jr. used to run into people on, in his golf cart. He had a bad hip, and uh, he had a bad hip, and I think he enjoyed a little bit of, of, wine or something, you know, and you, never he, know. <laughs> you never know. He would drive around in a golf cart because <laughs> no. of his bad hip and through the, what we call the bowels of the hotel. And, um, he would, <laughs> he would take out, you know, <laughs> he would, you'd hear stories in the employee cafeteria. Oh, Sammy took out two dealers <laughs> today <laughs> because oh, there'd be some 21 dealers come walking around a corner and Sammy would come around the corner with his golf cart and, you know, plow into him or, or take out a, a room service cart or, you know, whatever it was. Oh my he goodness. wasn't a very good driver. <laughs> well, I'm also told that he didn't have binocular vision. So he didn't. On top of all that. Yeah. He wasn't a good driver, but it was, it was really, you know, I was, I was 19 <laughs> when I arrived, 20, um, it was probably 20 when I arrived. Turned, I turned 21 while I was working there and was up there for a couple of years. It was really interesting. That must have been a fun part. Oh, it was. It, it was. It was great. It was a great place to be, you know, 20, 21 years. It's a great place. It's better to be 21 there than 20. But um, Right. It was fun. It was really a neat place. It was my first experience in a hotel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then Harris was... Um, this is 1983, and Bill Hara had just passed away. The Hara family still owned it. And at that time in the country, there were three hotels that were five-star and five-diamond, you know, mobile, five-star, AAA, right. five-diamond. Harris was one of those three. It oh. was really – it was a pretty fancy hotel, you That's know. It was pedigree. Really, yeah, it was, it was a great place, and uh, it was fun. It was a fun place to kind of grow up and work and do some high-volume cooking and, you know, have – hotel experiences that I didn't have 
at the Hungry Hunter Thousand Oaks or right. uh, or at I worked at it. My first real restaurant job was at a, a place in Westlake Village called Jack Steli, and I was a dishwasher and a busboy. <laughs> And uh, I was 15 years old. I lied about my age on the application. It's like, you know, people lie about going, join, right. when they join the army, they lie about their age. The yeah. <laughs> I really wanted to get a job there. I really wanted to wash dishes at Jack's Deli before I turned 16. <laughs> Replenish so I, the pickle jars. So, so I told them I was, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I told them I was 16 and I would ride my bike to work. And I think my, my parents were kind of surprised they had hired me because I was only 15, but... Hmm. Um, you didn't tell them that you. No, had lied. I didn't tell. I didn't tell my parents that I had lied about yeah. my age, and I didn't tell Jack Stelly what my true age. Right. So I ride my bike to work, and I didn't want them to know that I didn't have a car because you know every sixteen-year-old boy must sure. have a car. So I'd park my bike, you know, like a block away and lock it up, <laughs> and then I'd walk into Jack Stelly, and so no one knew I was riding my bike to work. But yeah, I just really wanted to to work in the restaurant business. I starting at you know fifteen and lying about my age. So. Isn't that fantastic to know yeah. that early? This is my path, and then yeah. take that path. Yeah, yeah, it and was, it leads you to success. Yeah, you know, yeah. Where you are it's, today. Worked, it's worked out well. So, was it after Harris that you came to Napa? So, after Harris, um, I was up there for two years. You know, and and living up there is fun. Sometimes too much fun, and it isn't really reality. I mean, I think when you're living up there and you're caught up in that lifestyle, I mean, on the Nevada side, the bars don't close. You know, it's 24 I mean, hours. It's 24 hours. I mean, I a couple times, you know, I'm not proud of this, but a couple times I walked out of a bar or a casino or whatever, and the sun was coming up. Sure. And, you know, because you Why can not? drink at 4 in the morning and, and 5 in the morning. 20 you're 21 old. years old. There was nightclubs that were open, you know, nightclubs that stayed open all night. And so... You can be proud of that. That's, you know, yeah. goes with the territory when well, you're 21. When you're 21 and you're living in a place like Nevada, the state yeah. of Nevada. So... um but it wasn't really the real world. And so I used to come down to Napa with friends, a girlfriend at the time, and, and friends. And we would, you know, the Napa Valley in 1985, it was just beginning, you know, kind of, it was a beautiful place. There was, a, you know, a group of wineries to go visit. Um, the restaurant at Domaine Chandon had been open for a few years. Right. Auberge de la Soleil had been open for a few years. Um, Cindy Paulson had opened up Mustards a year before. Mm-hmm. Um the Hotel Miramonte, where Udo was, and Rosalie Le Favor, where Bruce Le Favor was, um, was open in St. Helena. Right. So there was a, a handful. There was five, maybe, you know, restaurants that were kind of cool, doing some really neat stuff. And so came down, and I just I remember one night, one day, it's funny, after a day of wine tasting and, and eating, I was sitting on the patio at Sterling. And I've never been back to Sterling, you know, <laughs> but I was sitting on the patio at Sterling having a glass of, of red wine. I don't even know what it was, but it was delicious, mm-hmm. you know, and it was a warm summer day and there's hawks and buzzards circling around. And I just thought I could I could do this. I could live here. I mean, this is this is OK. So um, I applied at a bunch of restaurants where I really wanted to go and really wanted to work with Domaine Chandon. OK, Um Philippe Gentil had had some bad experiences. Philippe from Bistro Gentil was the chef at Domaine Chandon there. And that was, you know, in the early 80s, yeah. like the yeah. fine dining. I mean, it really Napa was. Valley. Auberge and Chandon were, were the places, mm-hmm. the, the two places to be. And uh, But Philippe had had some bad experiences with some CIA grads before me and oh, wasn't really, really, you know, sometimes kids come out of the CIA and... You know, they think they think they know everything. Right. You know, well, I've got a degree. I've got a I've got a cordon bleu. So I'm, you know, hmm. and and sometimes they're they think they're too good to to do things. Well, of course, I'm the opposite. I've I've realized that I'm making less money <laughs> after going to the CIA than I did before I went. So I know there's something wrong with the picture. And so um 
went and applied. I applied at Mustards, and and they had a, a spot for me. But I was really kind of holding off for um for um for Shandon, and it went to up and down the valley. But Dummy and Shandon was where I wanted to be. So I gave my notice at Harrah's, and uh, gave notice in the house we were renting. And at the my girl a girlfriend of mine and my and myself moved down together, and. Um, Philippe, the first month, you know, first time I went, he said, I don't have an opening. I have bad luck with these you grads. So, oh, he was pretty upfront. Yeah, yeah. Know. And so I went back up to Tahoe, worked my week, thought about it some more. How am I going to get in there? You know, mm-hmm. how, what could I do? Drove down the next week with a type resume, you know, and a letter saying, you know, you know, please, please give me a chance. Philippe said no. Well, you lied to Jack's again. Deli. Why didn't you lie to Philippe? <laughs> yeah, I oh, 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 wait, I didn't mean CIA. I meant, uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah. So, um, Finally, Philippe said, okay, there's an opening in the pantry. And so I got a job at Chandon, and the first thing I did was watch, watch spinach. Cases <laughs> and cases of spinach. That's what I did for a while. But um, that was, you know, cooking at Chandon and, and what I learned from Philippe. I mean, he's such a talented chef. And, and the whole experience of cooking here, I, my, one of my very first days, I was making a remoulade sauce. You know, there's a recipe that Philippe has, and we're following the recipe, of course. But he called for fresh tarragon. And so I go on the walk-in, and, you know, at Harris in Lake Tahoe or at the CIA in Hyde Park, New York, if you were looking for fresh tarragon, it was in a plastic bag in the walk-in refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in the walk-in, going through the herbs, can't find the tarragon, can't find the tarragon. Philippe comes in, and he always sort of, you know, gave me this this look like, you know, what is wrong with you, you know? <laughs> and uh, and uh, he said, what are you looking for? And I said, chef, I'm looking for the tarragon. And he looked at me like I was without a brain, and he said... It is in the garden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The garden that I walked by every day to go into the kitchen door. And uh, so I went out in the garden, cut the tarragon, brought it back in, chopped it up on my t- cutting board. And it was just like at that moment, I thought, this is what cooking really is all about. I mean, I just cut this tarragon from the garden, and now I'm incorporating it into the sauce I'm making. And this is, this is so cool. There was your epiphany. Yeah. We're going to take a break right there. We're going to come back, talk about life in Napa Valley and how you've established your little empire here in Napa. And we'll be back with Chef Greg Cole on Judd's Napa Valley Show. And now, back to this very special Judd's Napa Valley Show with me, Lorne Mole, and Judd Fingelstein, as today we welcome back Chef Greg Cole. That's right, Chef Greg Cole is back with us. And I say back because this used to be your spot. You it, were the Tuesday morning guy here at KVON. I, I spent a lot of Tuesday mornings here, right where you're sitting. Yes, yeah, so you can see the panic in my eyes. I try to <laughs> yeah. make sure all the commercials and news gets played. No, you, you're doing a great job. You've taken this show to a whole different level, I think, and I've, I've enjoyed listening um, to your, what you've done with it. So, Well, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you very much. So now it makes me... Um, feel awkward that I'm going to interrupt you and put in a plug for something <laughs> that's, that's coming per- up. Perfectly fine. Yeah, after all those nice words, I'm going to change the subject. I do want to let everybody know that uh, coming up on Sunday, June 30th, one of my absolute favorite events that happens here in Napa Valley is coming up. It's the big barbecue and beer battle. This is from 1 to 4 p.m. at the Napa Valley Marriott, and this is pitting three-time and current Napa Valley barbecue champion Pat Burke against Chef Stephen Barber. It's a rematch. They went up against each other last year. Stephen's feeling like he's, he's uh, maybe tweaked the game. Maybe he can beat Pat. We'll see. 
but you should be there. This all benefits the Napa Valley Education Foundation's Music Connection Program, making sure that music programs continue in our public schools. And let's see, there's going to be plenty of delicious smoky meat. About 10 craft breweries are going to be pouring beer. Judd's Hill Wines, Silent Auction, a live auction hosted by Chef Brian Whitmer of the Marriott. And it's only $55 to attend. And that gets you the food, the beer, the wine, all the excitement, live music. And you can get your tickets by going online. And I don't have the website in front of me. But, oh, my goodness. It's Napa Barbecue and Beer Battle. Put that into Google or Facebook. The Napa Barbecue and Beer Battle. You can go, I'm sure, to the Marriott website or the Judd's Hill website, judshill.com. Click on events. We'll have it listed there. And that's how organized I am, Chef Greg Cole. I plug this whole event and don't even have the website. <laughs> well, that happens. That's the, People can find it on Google, I'm sure. That's right. June 30th, 1 to 4 p.m. at the Marriott, $55. Tons of great, smoky, delicious food. People's choice. You get to vote for the winner. Beer, wine. Go to judshill.com. Click on events. That'll get you there or google beer barbecue and beer battle <laughs> let's get back to you i'm not doing so well i don't here. know what we would do without google i tell you it's it's amazing how our lives how different our lives are the last 20 years what's happened with the world everything is just at your fingertips i remember i was at piatti's i was i, I became the chef of you know was at, at chandon for three years and then pasta prego in napa um which is where i think i for first a couple of years yeah here. charles holmes and i were both cooking at um, at Dummy and Chandon, and Charles had this job offer, but he didn't really want to do it alone. And so the two of us went to, to do Pasta Prego. Um, and then I was at Willits Brewing Company for a year, which is now where Downtown Joe's is. Mm-hmm. And then, and that was kind of going nowhere fast, that, that, that position there. And I got a job offer from Piatti's, and it was um, – Twice as much money as I was making at, at Willits, and it was a much more prestigious restaurant. And, and this is in Yonville. And no, I was actually going to be the the chef of the new restaurant in Sonoma. Oh, the Sonoma one. Yeah. Okay, I was. I didn't. Watch so that. I went to Sonoma and opened that restaurant. I was there for a year, and but I remember it's about computer. It's getting back to this thing about computers. Um, Lotus One Two Three was new, which is basically what Excel is. Okay. And you know when we used to do inventory, we had a. We had to, by hand, extend everything. You'd weigh your bell peppers, and you'd put your price per pound, and you'd multiply it, and then that's how much bell peppers (laughs) you had. And I remember the first time when I was at Piatti's, and Donna Scala showed me how to use Lotus 1, 2, 3. And um, I couldn't believe it. You know, like, wow, this is going to change the world. And it's just, it's incredible how computers and how, you know, every day it's new. It's just amazing how... How it simplified and complicated our lives all at the same time. And yet you know? I still couldn't get on quick enough to get the website yeah, for but that. But that's, that's, I'm sure people will find it. And it is, it is a great event. I participated the first year. I think I was a judge, and we went, and it was, it was a blast. Oh, so a much A good fun. event. And the music connection with the school district is a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. So I think you told me, I came on um, once when you were doing the show to talk about our involvement. You said your son benefited from this program. Actually, at NVLA, uh, where my kids went to school in the Philly Language Academy, all the kids in kindergarten got, or first grade, maybe it was first or second grade, got recorders mm-hmm. and um, learned how to play the recorder. And then all the kids at NVLA have the opportunity to learn violin, and then they can move to a different instrument. But it's, you know, through the generous donations of the community because unfortunately the school districts, right. the funding for that from the state has been cut. So at NVLA, and I'm not sure about all the schools, but at the school, the elementary school where our kids went to school, um, it was huge. 
Yeah. yeah. And Larson now does piano and he's quite accomplished. And Sophia, our oldest one, does not does not musical. She she's more like me. She didn't get the musical gene. Oh, I thought you well, strummed I, a guitar. I strum a guitar, but I, I'm not very good at it. And but I enjoy it. That's that's what's more important, I think. But you're talented in the restaurant biz, and I'd like to get right. to your own restaurants because at, after all of these other experiences, you opened Celadon. Right. So this I was almost 17 years ago. Se- almost 17 years ago. So I, I did these jobs of Chandon were really, I learned so much from, from, from Philippe and that was a, a really important. I mean, I learned maybe as much or more in my three years at Chandon than I did in my two years in culinary school. Um, an amazing chef, a good mentor, um, then Pasta Prego, then Willits Brewing Company, then Piatti Sonoma. Then um, I decided when I was at Piatti Sonoma that I wanted to be a winemaker. Oh. So I had had a bottle of Robert Sinsky Vineyards, 1988 Pinot Noir, and it was dynamite. Yeah. I loved it. So I went and I applied, and they, they actually at had Sinsky. At Sinsky. At a winery. At a winery. Yeah. I didn't want to be a winery chef necessarily. I wanted to drag hoses. I wanted to, I wanted to make wine. Uh-oh. I wanted to get my hands dirty. And so... Um, you know, there was a lot of kids coming out of Davis and Fresno who were looking for, you know, entry-level positions. Also, I didn't have any kind of schooling in, in the uh, world of wine, but I, I had the cooking ability. So I offered, well, if, when if you have lunches or dinners, I could do those, but let me work in the caves. Let me work in the cellar. So I spent six years at Sinsky, and it was great. At Robert Sinsky, it was fantastic. But Doing got, that, making wine and cooking for yeah, well, or visitors? Absolutely, right. And doing sales and marketing and giving oh. tours and working in the tasting room when someone called in sick. And when the janitor went to, you know, on vacation, I cleaned the bathrooms. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a great place to work. It was, it was a small business, small family-owned place. And everybody did every, you know, it, whatever it took to get the, the thing done. And um, really enjoyed it. And I still love those wines. I mean, the Robert Sinsky Vineyards wines are phenomenal. And... Um, but I got to the point, I was, you know, 34 years old, and I had never done my own thing. I had never owned my own business. And I just sort of thought, the longer I wait, the harder it's going to be, I, I thought, you know. So I left Sinsky, and my wife and I opened the original Celadon in 1996. 96. Yeah. In that little spot kind of behind the opera yeah. house. Uh, yeah, behind that little funny place that had been three or four restaurants, and no one knew where it was. And you can't see it from any you, street. You know, the address is, uh, is 1140 Main Street, but when you're at 1140 Main Street and you're looking at the building, you don't see it because it's tucked behind. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there wasn't, you know, much nice. it's much nicer now, but then there was Brewster's on the corner right. with a dirt lot behind it, and then the opera house was, was defunct and closed with yeah, a big, nothing with a big dirt lot behind it. And then there was that little place, and there was that charming little footbridge that crossed Napa Creek mm-hmm. um, to the restaurant. But, you know, even people who had been longtime Nappans didn't really know where it was. So how'd you get them there? I mean, we well, used to go, but I... Yeah, I, you know, people found it, and, you know, I owe yes. a lot to to um, the late, great Larry Friedman and the staff at, the, at Brewster's. Brewster's. People would come into Brewster's. And they, they, they had read about it. We had gotten some good press early on. And they'd be looking for Celadon. They can't find it. Larry would walk him through the store, out the back of Brewster's, <laughs> across the dirt parking lot, and then point to where Celadon was. Oh. And I don't know how many people Larry himself and Rachel and the staff at Brewster's sent over to Celadon. But we, we, uh, we probably owe them money still um, and royalties for, for that. Yeah, and, I think uh, you just made Rachel smile. Yeah. They're good folks. Oh, great people. Yeah, they helped us a lot because you, you couldn't see it. So I used to have a little A-frame sign signs that are now illegal, but we had the little A-frame signs back then. Because in 1985, there wasn't a whole lot going on in downtown Napa. 
Uh, so um, I'm sorry, 1996, there wasn't a whole lot going on in downtown Napa. And so um, I would go out at night and get my little, f- f- at nine o'clock every night, I'd, when we were done, I'd walk out front to Main Street and bring my sign through the you know lobby of that building. And I remember then, you know, I'd, I'd go out and I'd look up and down Main Street. There'd be no one walking. There'd be no cars. It was as if I was alone in the town, you know. You might see a pair of headlights up or down Main Street. And now at 9 o'clock on any night of the week, it, there's so much happening. It's, it's such a change, change downtown. So it's, it's incredible. I mean, with the Opera House opening up and more restaurants, businesses opening downtown, um, little easier parking than there used to be back right. then uh, it's great it's revitalized it's it's amazing you know i mean retail still struggles and hopefully some of the changes at the town center will will help that i mean restaurants do fine the little wine bars do fine um there are, there's more i think little art galleries that actually have people but there is more foot traffic um i think we still need some you know diversified retail yeah. Um, places. I know people walk out of the, some of the hotels downtown or the B and Bs, and they and they walk around and they they're looking for the shops, like they want to go shopping. You know, there's lots of places to eat and drink, but like I've been stopped on the street. Where's the shopping? Like, yeah, there. Yeah, there, well, there I don't are know. some <laughs> nice places along yeah. first and downtown, but right, right with the uh, revitalization of the town center, that should all change. Yeah, as hopefully well. that will. F- give people i mean we like that there's lots of good restaurants and it, it, it's become a place where you could just come and you know maybe you don't have plans and maybe you'll try to go to celadon and if we have room great and if not you could pop over to angel or to the pear or morimoto or fish story or zuzu or you know go up and down main street and now the west end with you know a no tree and norman rose uh tarla the job they're doing over there it's it's incredible yeah napa's a different place it, it's changed so much and you know in in 96 when we opened celadon I mean, we were it. I mean, there was some, there was um, Pearl and Brown, well, there was Brown Street. Brown Street. And then Pearl, Nikki and Pete were doing a great job there. But that was about it. You know, ABC was open and a great place for breakfast and lunch. Right, but not, they don't do but, but there wasn't a whole lot of choices. Chanterelle was the place you'd go maybe for a, for a, a nice dinner downtown. There was, you know, some, some Asian restaurants and some Mexican restaurants that were okay. But what I call new American cuisine or, or chef-driven cuisine or, you know, whatever farm-to-table cuisine, whatever you want to call it, there wasn't anything. No, you brought that to the city yeah. of Napa. I remember people, it started happening where people were driving from St. Helena to Napa to eat at Celadon. We would. Yeah, and people thought that that was so strange. I mean, like, people commented often, I can't believe we drove from St. Helena to Napa to eat. We've never done that before, you know? See what you started. Yeah, I know, and it's, it's, it's amazing. It's incredible. And then what was the inspiration to do the uh, Coles Chop House? You know, my my landlord at Celadon, my original landlord, was a guy named Dick Williams. He's uh, married to Mary Consgard, mm-hmm. you know, prominent Napa family. And he owned a lot of commercial real estate. And he was a partner at the time in the Main Street Exchange building where Celadon was. He was negotiating, negotiating with the city of Napa to buy that building where Coles is. And he needed some tenants lined up to help secure funding for his project. And so I walked over there. Over, he was a good salesperson. And I walked over there one day with him. He's like, oh, Greg, you know, you got to do a restaurant in here. Look at this place. And we walked over there, and it was just a shell. And I just thought, this place needs to be a steakhouse. Yeah, it and just called to you that way? It did. And, you know, it's funny. When I moved to Napa in, in, 80, in 85, it always sort of baffled me. There wasn't really a great steakhouse. There's I mean, Sizzler on Trancas. There's Sizzler on Trancas, and there was the Royal Oak at Napa Valley Country Club. Right. I mean, Silverado Country Club. 
and there's Jonesy's at the airport. But you know, there wasn't a Ruth Chris, a Morton's, a, no. kind of a classic American steakhouse. And um, Royal Oak at Silverado does a good job. But people, because it's at the country club, they kind of think it's like a private restaurant or it's for members, even mm. though it is open to the public. Sure. And um, I, it always sort of my, my three years at Chandon and I mean, all those years, you know, my six years at Sinsky and my year and a half at Piatti's and my year at Willett's and my two years at Pasta Prego, all that time cooking in Napa or Sonoma. And there was never, I always was curious, why isn't there a great steakhouse in this valley? I mean, all the red wine we make here, all this incredible Cabernet, and there isn't what I'd consider a great American steakhouse. And so, it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do. I mean, the cooking at Celadon and the cuisine at Celadon is probably closer to my heart. You know, that's the kind of food I like to eat. I like to cook. Right. But you as know, we've learned, you know steaks. Oh, I know steaks, and that's where I started. But um, I finally said, you know, if no one else is going to do it, we should do this. So my wife and I, my wife Beth and myself and my parents um, came up with a business plan. You know, we each owned a third of the place, mm-hmm. Celadon and now Coles. And uh, by that point, we... You know, Celadon, to get funding for Celadon was impossible. You know, there was, we were trying to get a loan for a restaurant. It's very, very difficult yeah. from a bank. You know, it just doesn't work out. And uh, we ended up getting a very small SBA loan to help us finish Celadon, but it was not very much money. Kohl's was going to be a bigger project. You know, it's it was a shell. It needed a lot of work. And it was a big, it's a big space. So um, we got together with some local bankers who, at least then we had a track record, they wouldn't help us, but they knew of, there's a group out of Santa Rosa called Safe Bidco, which helps with SBA loans. So we were able to get funding to to do the chop house, but and to get it built. And you know, a lot of people thought I was crazy. You know, no one will come, no one will go there. It's too expensive. You know, steakhouses when you're dealing with high quality beef, it's like really high quality wines. I mean, grapes, the best grapes cost a lot more money than the worst grapes, so right. cheap grapes. You know, and and the best beef costs a lot more than what people are used to buying in the grocery store. And so um, it's it's been 13 years. It's been it's been good. So and it's I think the community needed a place like Coles Chop House. It's a, you know I don't know where everybody went before Coles to celebrate an anniversary or a birthday or an engagement. I mean there's other restaurants in the valley, but in the city of Napa, you know where did you go to celebrate your graduation? You know I I don't know where people went before. And um, I see that all the time popping up on Facebook. You know, here's a picture of me celebrating birthday, dad's yeah. birthday at Cole's Chop House. Yeah, or... I mean, it's it's not the kind of place I think people go every week. We do have customers who come once a week, but um, but for a celebratory meal, it's a it's a place to go. And, and Napa was sort of, I, I think, you know, and maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm forgetting someone. I mean, I think Chantrell. Uh, Carl, who ran Chantrell for a long time, did a very good job. But, you know, it was a little more continental, a little bit more country club set, perhaps. But he did a good job. Um, so there were lots of there were other restaurants that people had special memories at. But I don't know if there was really that place you'd walk in and say, wow, this is fancy, you know, kind of. You know? it, ha- it has that, you know, kind of fancy steakhouse. Well, yeah, and now there's, now there's, you know, more fine dining restaurants in the city of Napa and more places where you could dress up and you wouldn't feel uncomfortable. I mean, I think right. before Cole's... If you went out to dinner and you're wearing a tie or a sport coat or a nice dress, you might have been really overdressed. Where at, you know, Kohl's, you could do that and you you look great. And so I don't think we had that really in the city of Napa, at least not that I could remember. So Celadon open for lunch and dinner daily? Uh, lunch, and, lunch, Monday through Friday. Okay. Uh, 11.30 to 2.30. And then dinner nightly from 5 till 9. And then Kohl's dinner nightly from fi- um, 5 until 9. 
Fridays and Saturdays, we seat until 10. Until 10 o'clock. That's yeah. nice. Kind of a little bit later for Napa and both conveniently located in downtown. And, and I see you walking back and forth between them sometimes down I Main usually, Street. I usually drive, but occasionally I'll I, be seen walking. I've yeah. seen you. They're not that far <laughs> from each other. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think it's seven minutes if you hit the lights right. But, you know, usually I have to carry a case of wine or a, oh, right. a six-pack of vodka or whatever. So I usually <laughs> end up driving, taking the truck. Seven-minute walk. Seven-minute walk. Yeah, drive would be yeah. like one minute. Or you can take yeah. the pedicabs now that are downtown. I should, yeah, I should do that. I should get my own pedicab. Yeah, those guys you know, yeah. work for tips, yeah. give a few bucks, take you back and forth. Maybe you could have a Cole's cab. We, yeah. Not no. Cabernet, but Cole's cab. pedicab. Pedicab, my own dedicated one. Well, Chef Greg Cole, it's now time to play everybody's favorite party game here on Judd's Napa Valley Show, and that is Mad Libs. I think you know how this works. You're a savvy, hip dude. I'm going to ask you for some parts of speech. We're going to fill in the blanks and see what we come up with. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, chef. I need an adjective. Um, smelly. Smelly. Okay, starting off strong here. A plural noun. Uh, cars. Cars. Just talking about driving. Uh, another plural noun. Women. Women. A country. Any country on the globe. Oh, Lithuania. Lithuania. A year, any year in history. How about 1959? 1959. Sounds good. An adjective, good descriptor. Mm, tiny. <laughs> tiny. And a plural noun. Guitars. Guita <laughs> guitars. Guitars. Yeah, guitars. Guitars. Okay. Just talking about strumming. All right. Here we go. So, Chef, uh, on your website for Celadon, as I was looking, doing a little prep, to find your bio, I found this little excerpt of your bio, which you have just rewritten via Mad Libs. <laughs> Great. So let's find Fantastic. out a little bit about, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> Chef Greg Cole. Greg Cole is the executive chef and owner of Celadon and Cole's Chop House, both located in smelly downtown Napa. <laughs> You're going to hear from the Chamber yeah, of Commerce no, no about kidding. that one. His love of cars and women has created <laughs> two of the most highly respected restaurants in the Napa Valley. <laughs> A graduate of the Culinary Institute of Lithuania. <laughs> Congratulations, no, thank man. You I think some of my much. people are from yeah. back there at some point. Uh, he came to the Napa Valley in 1959 to work with Chef Philippe Janty in the kitchen of Domaine Chandon. So it's been a little longer than I figured. Yeah. Cole's Chop House opened in March of 2000, serving tiny American steakhouse <laughs> cuisine. <laughs> That's good. Some people might agree with that. Yeah. Not most, but some. Yeah, you said some people complain it might be expensive, and now it's tiny, And now too. it's tiny. Yeah. Even, even better. You don't get anything for your right, money. Right, It was an immediate favorite of locals and guitars alike. You have live music there? Well, you know, we did for oh. a period, but we, we stopped. Um, it was fun while it lasted. What we found out is that people tended to linger longer, and, oh, we, sure. and we wouldn't turn tables, turn and so it, it didn't. It ended up not working out for us that well. But for a couple of years, we did do live music. Yeah, well, um, you got to do what works for you. I did notice also on your website, in your bio, I put a little asterisk on this one. It also says, Greg is the host of Today in Wine Country, oh, a should. local radio show covering <laughs> I, food trends in the wine country and beyond. The show airs Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. on Napa's KVON 1440 I should probably update that, that bio a little bit, huh? <laughs> I don't mind. Yeah. You know, if someone reads that and tunes in, I'm just glad you drove some business extra, our way. Yeah, extra listeners. <laughs> That's right. Well, I absolutely want to thank you for coming in. Do you want to give a plug, a website, anything? Folks, come on down, experience just wanna, something. You know, well, thanks. Thank you for, for taking over the 
show and doing such a great job. And then, um, yeah, thanks to the city of Napa and the community for supporting both of the restaurants for so many years. You know, it's it's amazing. 17 years at Celadon and 13 years at Kohl's. And that's, it's a long time. It's a long time in this business. And we've had a lot of really great customers. And it's it's been really nice being part of people's lives, you know, during that time, watching people go off to college and come back and, you know, get married and, you know, all these things that happen in life. And when you're a restaurant and especially a place where people come and, and share those memories, it's, it's really kind of fun to be part of it. Well, we thank you for yeah. being so involved in the community, not only as a business person, but we didn't even get into all the support you do for organizations and events. And right. That's much appreciated, too. Uh, Lauren, good seeing you. We'll see you next week. Okay, Judd. All right. We'll be back with more Judd's Napa Valley Show next week. Judd's Napa Valley Show.